Powered by Go Goat Sports in partnership with TSN, this is episode 36, season 4 of the Rain Rakes Hockey Podcast. And, as always, presented by our title-sponsored Canadian Club Whiskey, an exciting podcast. They're all really good, but this one's exciting because joining us on the podcast is former Anaheim Duck Star Center, 2007 Stanley Cup champion Ryan Getzlaff, enjoying full retirement mode. So we'll we'll talk to Getzy about that. And And by the way, you know, not to give up too much, just a little glimpse here. He was kind enough. We had to delay the recording of the interview, just a whisker, because you had an interaction with a police officer. So don't spoil it. This is a tease. This is I'll, a, ju- I'll this just a say right? my, my driving leaves something to be desired. <laughs> Evidently so. Yes. All right. So Ryan gets laugh and get a chuckle out of that, I'm sure. So that's coming up. Headlines again this season presented by our good friends at Boston Pizza. I, I don't know if you had time last night, Ray. I'm going to start headlines with the CHL prospects game. I didn't, I watched parts of it. I didn't glue myself to the television set, even though, you know, it was supposed to be the, the Connor Bernard show, right? Instead, Bernard is pointless in the prospects game, but man, that game had some bite. It was feisty, it was competitive. It was everything that if you're a pro scout or an NHL general manager, and there were many of them in Langley for the CHL prospects game, aside from Bedard lightening up one more time, I don't think we need to see more offense from Connor Bedard to know what he's all about. But from a competitive aspect, holy smokes, that game had some bite. It was entertaining. Yeah, I I mean, Bedard could have played left-handed. It's not going to change where he's going. But for the other players... It, it's an opportunity to play against the top end of your draft mm-hmm. class. And and what's important about it is, I, I mean, somebody doesn't get dropped off a team's draft list or put on a team's draft list from, you know, from that game. But it, if you have a good performance, I, I believe teams might look at you in a different light. And as they get into the second half of the season, what happens with almost every team, is they have scouts that are crossover scouts. So scouts that watch the Ontario League only, they'll go start watching the Western League. And Mm. scouts who watch the Western League will go watch the Quebec League. So they're all crisscrossing views, and they start to zero in on players. And those players that had the opportunity to play in the prospects game, they have a chance to kind of raise their hand and say, hey, don't forget about me over here, and maybe push themselves into a different spot. Right. And and that's important to acknowledge. And that was probably the case. You know, it's it's far from the, the finish line of where these kids are developmentally. They still have a lot of hockey to go this year before teams have to make their decision. But lots of NHL clubs have come out of their amateur meetings or into pro meetings now and, and whatnot. So it's, it is an important game and an important time of year. So let's look at the standings, okay? You know, I'm watching the Islanders in a funk. I think that's fair to describe where they've been now for the last 10, 12 games. You've got the Washington Capitals, the St. Louis Blues. You know, Caps are holding on tight. St. Louis is nibbling outside the playoff picture, but, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Why are you watching those three teams in particular? Is it just simply because the trade deadline is looming and there's some big decisions that need to be made here? Yes, but also with age. Uh, Okay for those teams. So, you know, Washington's in the second wild card. They're three points up on Buffalo. Buffalo's got three games in hand. Mm -hmm. So if you're Brian McClellan in the Washington Capitals, do you say, you know, maybe I could push a little more of my future out 
and try and, you know, get ourselves into the playoffs now. But if you get into the playoffs, it, as it sits, you'd play Boston. Are you going to beat yeah. Boston? Well, as it sits today, no, you're just not. So, you know, the Islanders, they've, they're just not, they don't seem like they have the same connection to the system that they have always had under Barry Trotz. And part of the reason is the system changed. Lane Lambert wants to play a little bit more up-tempo, which is, I would say, more of a modern game. And they might not have the personnel to play that, or they might not be as connected to the system as they were in the past. So if you're Lou Lamarillo, who didn't get very much done at all in the summer, do you make a move now? Or do you move to say, ah, you know what? Maybe we should move some of our veterans. Same thing in St. Louis. Tarasenko, O'Reilly would be coveted trade chips for Doug Armstrong. They signed last summer Cairo and Thomas to eight-year extensions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, clearly the future's somewhere else. So you know that's a decision they're going to have to make. And and time gets short here. I mean, what is it now? Twenty-sixth of January. You know, your teams are really cementing in their plans here in the next little bit. Those are three teams I'd be watching and will be watching for sure. Let's throw the Los Angeles Kings Ray into that equation, right? And then for a different reason, for a completely different reason. I don't, you know, Rob Blake addressed the Cal Peterson thing earlier this, this year, to put him on waivers, sent him to the American league on a conditioning stint, you know, trying to, to get his game back to confidence up and whatnot. But man, generally speaking, the Kings goaltending, it stinks. It hasn't been good enough. And and when you look at the play of LA, would that be your biggest issue, your biggest concern there? Yeah, I know there's lots of chatter and you've, you know, you've reported on the, you know, their potential interest in in Jacob Chickering and what that deal yeah. might look like. They they're right at the top of the you know, uh topsy turvy Pacific division. Yeah. You know, they're one point behind Seattle. Again, Seattle's got games in hand on them. But what if they had a goalie? Like, I know their interest, you know, I understand if there is interest in Chikrin, yeah. but what if there was a goalie? What, you know, I watched this week in Edmonton, or rather in Calgary, and Jonas Corposalo was unbelievable. I couldn't believe how good. good he was. It was yeah. the only reason that game was close. He was terrific last night again in Calgary. Mm -hmm. You know, they have a youngster in Tarasov, and they've got Merzlikens locked up for a few more years, who's had a really difficult year. So they could move Corposalo, free agent at the end of the year. That's a possibility. What if the deal with Arizona included Carol Vomelka? Mm. Now that guy looks like a ball hockey goalie to me. Like I don't get it, but oh my gosh, he stops the puck mm. because the Kings, the Kings have a good team, have a team that really probably don't want to play against too much. Phoenix Copley's their best goalie and yeah. that's not going to push you too far. All right. Why don't we wrap up headlines again? We've got Ryan Getzlaff coming up. So that'll be the bulk of episode 36 of the Rain Dregs podcast shortly, but Mitch Marner asked reporters yesterday, so being Wednesday, Bell Let's Talk Day, to hang in after a scrum. And, you know, so often we, we, we see people of influence, uh, be it athletes, doesn't matter particularly who it is, but get on board with Bell Let's Talk, right? Deliver the message and raise the level of awareness and whatnot. This was different for me in watching it. And Marner put a real personal twist on it. He said, look, to the, to the assembled media in the scrum, just hold on a sec. I want to say a few words about my position here on mental health. Clearly, it was in support in, of a Bell Let's Talk, but he took some time to explain to the gaggle of media that, hey, he's a pro hockey player. His life is great, but he's not without struggle. 
right? And and he's had some mental health issues. And, you know, he, he gave the example of going back to where he got carjacked last summer. I mean, it had to have been terrifying for him, obviously, and how that still bothers him to this day. So even though this 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 has been this big corporate entity, which draws a lot of negativity out of people, to be fair, most of it is dispensed on social media. When I hear somebody like Mitch Marner, take us into his world, right? Into his personal experience in support. For me, that's that's the silver lining in all of it, right? Is the good things, the messaging that comes in continuing to help raise awareness. Well, there's a, you know, there's a, a phrase, uh, you know, something through my meditation that I, you learn is that, you know, everybody's got something. Everybody has yeah. a struggle somewhere. The book is not open to read. So people are struggling that you might never really have an idea about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for, you know, Kelly Rudy has been um, very notable in Terrific his support and yeah. discussion of mental health. Now, Mitch Marner comes out and talks about his challenges. Some people are more public with it than others. You know, I, I mean, for myself, it's been a, you know, five or six year journey to try and get to a different place. And I, and you'll never change some people's perceptions of you, but that really can't be what it's about. But the struggle is and challenge and bumps in your own life. Not everybody knows about it. Nobody knows about what you go through. Nobody knows what, you know, Mitch Marner or, or anybody. There's do not have to be public person to, you know, to, to have your own way and your own struggle and your own journey. And so if they can perhaps put a face to it and their support, maybe it makes people who live a quieter life feel it's okay to, to explore helping themselves. Well said, my friend. Those are your headlines. Again, thank you to Boston Pizza. Our interviews on Ray and Regs this year are brought to you by Canadian Club Whiskey, who are asking, are you over beer? Why not try a refreshing CC ginger ale next time you're having a drink or watching a game? Hi, it's Ray Ferraro. You've probably heard me talking about my friends at North Beach Agency and Craft Growth. They provide customized marketing solutions tailored to help grow businesses of all sizes. From results-driven marketing across TV, radio, and podcasts to websites, digital, social, out of home, and everything in between, they have the proven expertise to get the measurable results you need to get your business growing. You can visit craftgrowth.net and book your free business growth consultation now. That's craftgrowth.net. All right, Ryan Getzlaff joining us on the Rain Dregs podcast. And before we get to the interview, Ray, we had to delay the recording of the interview by mm. eh, maybe eight, nine minutes. Not a big deal. Um, so Getzy was kind enough to show up on time. And I said, hey, Ryan, if you've got something to do, take another five, six minutes because Ray has just been stopped by the cops and he's going to be a little bit delayed here. So you know, quickly explain what happened. Make sure you're okay, though. Yeah, thanks for your concern. I appreciate yeah. it, Dregs. I, uh, uh, Ryan, thanks for waiting. I know you're busy, but, <laughs> well, I don't know what it is you're doing these days, but um, I... Uh, not busy. Not busy. No, good for you. Man. Good for you. <laughs> I, uh, I dropped my kid off, dropped Riley off at school, so I got a 40-minute drive back, and I'm like, okay, so I got to, you know, I got to get there on time, and I come in, I'm in downtown Vancouver. I turn left on this street, and there's... <laughs> 
I see like there's six cars lined up, which is probably should have been my first yeah. clue. Something <laughs> was wrong. And policeman pulls me over, says, do you know why I pulled you over? I says, not a clue. And he says, uh, yeah, on this street between 7 and 10 a.m., you can't turn left. I'm like, really? And he goes, how long have you lived here? I go, 20 years. I've made that turn 500 times. <laughs> and today it costs $121. But if you I pay you 30 the, days, I get 30 You bucks. didn't use a do you know who I am card? Like it was uh, pretty obvious it, you didn't recognize That would have made it $190. I just wanted to get <laughs> out of there. Damn. I wish, up to I a wish bit. there was a camera inside that vehicle because you would have had such a burn going at that point. Well, you know, anyway. what, it, you know what pissed me off was that I had no idea. Usually when you get pulled over, you're like, yeah, I know I've speed and I did this. The guy's yeah. like, do you have any idea why I pulled you over? Not a clue. I had no <laughs> idea. Oh, I had this this year. I had my new car. I got a new Audi. And right before I pulled into the parking lot at the practice rink, a cop pulled me over. As I'm pulling in there, he pulls in after me. And he goes, do you know why he pulled you over? I'm like, no. I'm like, I, I really don't have a clue. He goes, you don't have a front license plate. and here in California, I guess you need a front license plate, but I don't know how much time you've spent down here. I've had sports cars for 25 years, and I've never had a front license plate on one. <laughs> and nobody has front license plates. And I was, so I was just dumbfounded by this. He gave me a ticket. Well, Come you on. went in your car. Swear to God, in the parking lot. At the, oh, my so God. So you owned the car for how long? I don't know, a month or two. So you've been driving around for a month. It's not like you just pulled out of the No. Car. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I oh, no, and I, I changed cars like candy down here, and I literally have never had a front license plate. I think only one of my cars has one. It's because it's my wife's truck. Now, I don't know what year it was. You know, you, you come in Anaheim, you park for, you know, and broadcasting the games, and you come down the ramp, and you guys have your, you know, had the, the, the valet sort of thing where they park your car all there. And I saw you came in one time, and you had this awesome car, and and I'm like, and I'm looking at all the other cars and I'm like, wow, we, things have changed, man. We, we had a bunch of Toyotas in the lot before. <laughs> so are you a car guy? Are you, you love that? I am a car guy. Yes. I love cars. I've always been a car guy kind of my whole life, but Tamil really got me into it. Tamil of course. Was obviously him rolling up to the rink oh. on the cars he had. And uh, so I was lucky enough to get introduced to a car dealer down here that I kind of hooked up with and Good for uh, you. Got to exchange cars left and right, so I kind of bought into the business a little bit, and uh, it worked out great for me during my career. Have you it cost ever... me a lot less money to drive nice cars. Well, huh. that's a good thing. Now, did you ever get into yeah. the drive in Lake Tamu? Uh, not really. I've been to a couple. I went to the one in Vegas driving school, and then supposed to go down to the Porsche one here. Uh, Ooh. I just haven't made it down yet, but it's supposed to be pretty spectacular. Good for you. Are you into F1 or anything? Like, will you get out to the race in Vegas or... I mean, I would go definitely in Vegas, something that's closer. I don't, I don't quite love it. Like some of those guys that <laughs> like Tamil yeah. Yeah. going to Monaco and stuff like that, but the one in Vegas for sure. So how's retirement? Retirement's good. Yeah. Trying to fill the days. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, it's a different experience when you don't have a schedule. So I really enjoyed being around the kids, being able to, I tell everybody I'm just a unpaid Uber driver now after, after school. So that's all I basically do is just uh, drive the kids around. My wife usually takes care of all the school stuff and drop off and pick up and that. And then um, so 7.45 to 3.30, I'm kind of on my own I'm playing a lot of golf and, yeah. and stuff like that. So it's been enjoyable. Is it weird? Yeah, extremely. You miss it? Uh, you know what? I'm sure everybody says this, but I miss being around the guys. I miss being around the dressing room. Uh, miss, I kind of miss having an impact. That's the, you know, I think more than anything, 
I've noticed more and more. I've, I watch more games, like to be a little bit more involved in, uh, you know, whether it be management or coaching at some sort or something that can make a difference in the organization. So that's kind of been what my feelings have been lately. And is that the path for you, Ryan? I mean, it's too early to say. I mean, you just retired at the end of last season, even though you knew it was coming and you put a lot of thought into it clearly. But, you know, you need a, a year or two or more, right, to decompress, to get a, a feel for what civilian life is all about. <laughs> but do you see yourself diving back into the game professionally? And what would that be? You know, is it on the management side? Is it coaching? What do you feel? Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I started off, I, I always was intrigued by the management side of things. Um, mm. I wanted to see what it was like to be up there making decisions, evaluating players, that kind of stuff on what a team needs. Um, it is interesting how much different it is to get a feel for what a locker room needs uh, when you've been out of the or when you're not in the locker room yeah. on a daily basis. So uh, somewhere in that balance, I think is where I'd like to fall. Um, I, I have had a, an interest in, in doing some sort of coaching. Um, I don't know that I could ever be a head coach, but uh, Wardo's going to give me shit if he hears this and <laughs> understands that I might I might go down that path because I told him all <laughs> told him all last year. No chance. There's too much bloody video to be a be a coach. <laughs> yeah. But you know anything that you I can make an impact. I think uh, interests me a lot. So uh, you know I'm I'm definitely ready to work. I'm not someone that can sit around. I don't like to just kind of go go through life and go through to the day to day. I always need something to do. So. Something I can sink my teeth into that I can make a difference. Are you working at all on a regular um, basis with the Ducks, or are you just kind of touching no, it right now? No. You know, I wanted to be a little bit more involved. You know, having Pat Verbeek come in midway through my last year kind of <laughs> changes things a little bit. Pat wanted to come in and, and make some changes and obviously do things, uh, you know, in the direction that he wanted to go. Having the relationship that I had with Bob for so long, I probably would have changed things a little bit this year, but trying to work through that with Pat and, uh, you know, build that relationship, that trust, those kind of things um, is kind of what this year is about. I've been doing some stuff with the promotional side, business side, sponsorships, stuff like that, where I can learn a little bit about the business. When you look back at your career, such a fabulous accumulation of yeah. of numbers and successes. And is there one thing that stands out for you, Ryan, that you're most proud of? Um, I, I mean, probably just relationships I've gained throughout the league and the teams and, and my teammates, places around the building, that kind of stuff. I really think it's a great way to leave a building. The way that I was able to go out in Anaheim, uh, understanding that I had relationships with people that, you know, were ushers at the building, uh, you know, in the valet guys, all those guys. I still go to the rink, say hi to them. They all know my kids, that kind of stuff. Those are things that I really valued at the end of my career, for sure. You know, you played, obviously played your entire career with the Anaheim Ducks. And I know from my experience with Bob Murray, you know, probably in the last three, four years of your career, we would ask the questions when you got into the second half. Okay, the trade deadline's coming. I, you know, the Ducks are heading in a different direction. Is there any chance he'd consider trading? Or would Ryan Getzlaff consider chasing a Stanley Cup and, and all of that. Did that ever get to you? Like, not get to you mentally. I'm just saying, literally, did it get to you? Did Bob or the organization ever come to you and say, hey, look, Getsy, you know, if you want to chase another Stanley Cup, you let us know and, and we'll do whatever we can to make that happen. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I, I went over it many times in my head. Uh, looking back, I actually just did a, had a conversation yesterday about it. Looking back, you know, had I had I gone somewhere else, I'd probably still be playing. <laughs> you know, 
everyone I talk to from that aspect says that, you know, if you go on that, that run or that, you know, go on to a new thing, chances are it's going to rejuvenate the life out of hockey and, and be willing to go. But they never came to me. No, they, the organization always was very respectful of me and, and my loyalty to them. Uh, I, me and Bob, I did go to Bob, uh, not my last year, the year before the, the COVID year. Um, I, me and Bob talked a lot at the trade deadline. Um, I gave them three teams, I think. Um, realistically, it came down to one team. We were looking at Vegas on possibly going there. Would have never even considered it, except that it was kind of a weird year with COVID and everything and, and Vegas being close enough that my family wouldn't have to move. Um, you know, we could kind of go back and forth. And, and, and I had two of the longest days of my life. It was crazy. You know, that, you know, I can't even imagine what it would have, what it would have looked like if I had gone there. But so that, that, that night we talked a lot, me and Bob went back and forth. And I basically told Bob, if you think you can better this team quicker, that I'd be willing to go. And, you know, Bob, we went back and forth, um, thought we kind of had a deal done structured. Bob wanted one thing um, that they weren't willing to give up, I guess, in the end. Um, and then ultimately I, you know, it's funny. I text Bob, I, th- I think I texted him at two thirty in the morning and said, Bob, I don't think I can do this. And ultimately Bob kind of made the decision in the morning. He had called me and said, look, I, I just don't feel right about this. I'm not going to do it. And, Excellent. you know, and it was a big relief. Me and my wife, <laughs> we were up almost all night long <laughs> uh, debating whether it was the right choice. So now when, so that would have been the chase, you know, a late in career Stanley cup early in the career, you know, you, you, or first round pick, Corey Perry's a first round pick. You know, they've brought in Chris Pronger and Scott Niedermeyer's there. And you guys have that young line with Pat Maroon. And somehow you're the one guy not playing off of that line with Maroon and Perry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How the hell did that happen? I bet you would have lost some money there. Oh, would I ever? <laughs> no chance. How did that happen? I tried, to, I tried to go out before the league kicked me out. That was kind of my plan. Well, Those two are going to play until they get tossed out. Now, what was that like? You guys are all so young. And man, not only were you just a young line, but you guys were like so impactful all the way through together, all young. That had to be just so cool. Yeah, it was great. You know what? The nice thing was is me and Paris kind of obviously got paired together from day one mm-hmm. coming out of training camp. That was you know, or coming out of the draft for that matter. I'm pretty sure that was what Brian Murray envisioned when he drafted us. But, you know, once we got together, we, we kind of developed that chemistry of how we wanted to play. And, and I thought the team did an unbelievable job at plugging guys in there that, that could fill that, you know, void or the role that we needed on that line. You know, obviously we started with Penner when we won the cup. We needed that another big body where we could control the puck down low. And then Bobby Ryan was there for a while. And then, you know, Patty Maroon. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, those are voids that those guys came in and played important uh, roles on our line that allowed us to control the puck down low and, and not have to skate too much. So that was always big for our line. Well, it's kind of funny. You, the three guys (laughs) you mentioned are all, although Bobby's right-handed, they're all kind of that same sort of like body frame, shape, size, and all that. I guess, I guess it does fit with you guys, right? Yeah, I mean, it turns out that management sometimes does know what they're doing. So. <laughs> well, you'll see. You'll see one okay. day they'll be saying the same about you. <laughs> exactly. So no. they, uh, no, I thought they did a great job. Obviously, those are planned decisions that that happen to work out. Not everything does, yeah. but um, those were definitely guys that were very impactful on our line. How many times did you look back up the ice? There's a whistle. The play's going back to your end, and there's 
a whistle. There's a penalty behind the play, and Perry's lying on the goalie. Like what? Were yeah, the, I already knew where that was going. Like Jesus, <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing games last year and the year before, and they're in the playoffs. I'd be looking up towards Tampa's end. There'd be a whistle, and I didn't even have to know what was going on. But there'd be gloves and sticks, and he's right in the middle of it again. Amazing, isn't it? It is amazing, actually, that, that he's still doing it right now. Still is. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, you know, I tell everybody, I've been in more fights because of that guy in my career than, than anybody else. But you know what? That's, that's just what makes him a special player at times in the game when he feels he needs to change the momentum or change the discussion or whatever it is. He's willing to do almost anything. So we'll uh, we'll get you out of here shortly, Ryan. But look, I know Ray wants to talk about this. How about your son Ryder? Right, uh, junior reporter with the Ducks. That video is sensational. As he's <laughs> chirping guys from the bench, and he's doing the the, the interview in the room. And I, I mean, hard hitting questions too. Like, <laughs> what you know? He's talking to Troy Terry. Why do you keep moving your eyebrows? <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, mean, my uh, my son is uh, he did a great job. I was very proud of him. Uh, yeah, he uh, awesome. no, but he did a he did a good job. He's very very witty in aspects when he's comfortable in the dress room. So he noticed <laughs> things. And him and Terry's have always had that relationship where, well, basically where writers made fun of Terry and Terry took it. So <laughs> <laughs> now is is that was that surprising to see him handle that like he did? Because it's obviously not just going to be for mom and dad no. that are going to see no. like yeah. i was so impressed like he just looked like i got this man very no comfortable problem. yeah yeah he did good it was it was a little surprising how comfortable he was i know he's kind of done a couple things before where he's where he's he's shown that kind of aspect but i think when he gets in that setting and he's comfortable with those guys and uh, that comes from being around the locker room and stuff and obviously he's comfortable in front of the camera <laughs> hey i gotta ask you this because I, i've always wondered about this and i i hope i don't have you know you know how memory kind of changes things um, oh i do you, you know like, <laughs> so you come back from the world junior team this is a hundred years ago and do i have it right opening face off you you're you guys are in were you in Red Deer? We were in Red Deer, yes. So and, uh, you're playing for opening, Calgary, and Brent Sutter and Andrew Ladd, of course, was on the other team. You guys fight right off the opening face-off. Like, no, so uh, so Brent Sutter's <laughs> on Red Deer. Fanuf and Colin Fraser are both on That's Red Deer. That's who it is. Yeah, Me and Andrew Ladd are on Calgary. And I think Ladd went first. I think Ladd and Fanuf fought off the opening face-off, and then the next face-off. So before the game even started – me, Lad, Fanuf, and Fraser were all in the penalty box. I remember I, I talked to Brent after the game, and he goes, what the hell are you guys doing? He's like, we come back, and we got to start the first five minutes without the four best players on the ice. It, it was such a crazy thing because you guys had all come from the world. You'd come from the world juniors. Brent's the coach, and I, I always yeah, wanted to funny. ask you, like, how did that even, like, how did that even start? Like, it was just so odd to see. Yeah, it was funny because it was, you know what, we came back. Fanoff and Ladd have always, they always kind of had a little tension um, uh, through, you know, playing against each other so much. And, and even at the World Juniors, they kind of had a little tension. Uh, and so they kind of, I don't know what, I didn't even know what was going on. And then all of a sudden they were fighting. And then me and Fraser went to take the face off again. And Fraser's like, you want to go? And I was like, well, sure, why not? <laughs> you know, I thought it, I thought it was kind of cool because it was kind of a message to our teams that we were both sure uh, we were back and you know the world juniors were over. Mm. Oh, that's amazing! <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was really funny. Getsy, we'll let you go. I, quick thought on on the All Star. I mean, you attended it so many times. 
Are you a fan of it? I mean, it, it looks like it's getting a little gimmicky now, more so than maybe it was back in the the old days. I mean, it's never been super competitive, but it's coming around the corner. So from a player perspective, you know, how yeah. do you look at it? It's hard. Uh, the All-Star Game, I grew up with the All-Star Game being a big honor to go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I, not not me personally, but when I was watching I always yeah. remember guys took a lot of pride in going to it, you know, having the fastest skater competition, all that kind of stuff was pretty cool. I think in today's world, the problem is, is that we need the gimmicky kind of uh, yeah. marketing, all that stuff. It's just kind of the way of the world, the way the kids want to see things. Um, the fan base now loves to see guys doing crazy stuff that, and, you know, and and we take cues. I mean, you watch the NBA all-star game, all that stuff. Yeah. It's It's all about the show and the flash and, so that's just the day and age we are, I think. And, and you know, players, I think, are doing a, a pretty good job adapting to it. It's not really in our nature, most of us. So um, I think guys are doing a pretty good job at trying to sell the game and be a part of something like that. It really helps when you host it in places like Florida. And, uh, Doesn't hurt. You can be on the beach somewhere rather than – I went to a couple. I went to one in Columbus. It was freezing. Uh, <laughs> I went to one in Montreal. It was freezing. <laughs> Other guys are sending me pictures from the beach during the all-star break. Yeah. So that wasn't, uh, <laughs> Thanks, that, that, that wasn't that fun to look at. <laughs> All right, Getsy. Well, look, terrific. You're able to join us. We've been looking forward to it for a long, long time. Enjoy your retirement. And uh, maybe down the road, we'll have you back when you're inside management with maybe Anaheim or another team in the NHL. Maybe I'll come sit down with you guys and work in the media. Who knows? Oh, you should. want to do that. You, <laughs> you know what? We'll, we'll nab you for sure when you're just before you're polishing up your Hall of Fame stuff. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you very much for your time. And it was awesome to watch you play through your career. All right, guys. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. We'd like to raise a glass in the fine Chronicle series CC to Ryan Getzlap for joining us today, presented by our pals at Canadian Club. Final Chronicle series, as you know, Ray, the 45-year-old release is now available everywhere you need to get yourself a bottle. It is tremendous. Man, Getzlaff seems like he is at peace, right? He's at peace with the decision that he made. Still looks like he could play. I mean, he's not that far removed from, from still being a dominant player in the National Hockey League. But I thought he was very candid, Ray, talking about the trade that was almost there with the Vegas Golden Knights. But but didn't happen and just the turmoil and everything that he and his family had to get to before Bob Murray said, look, it doesn't feel right and we're not going to do it. Yeah, but not only that for me, Dregs, was also that saying that, you know, had he gone somewhere, he probably would still be playing. Mm, yeah. You know, it's, it's a hard thing near the end of the career because, you know, if you're lucky enough to have played a long time and, you know, and certainly I was, is you start balancing, like, what does another year really mean? Like, right. you know, can my body take it? Can I put up with the grind? It wasn't the games, like, for me. I'd be interested in almost any retired guy. It's not the games. It's all the yeah. prep. Like, the summer training, you just grind yourself into yeah. a pulp to get there to try and be ready with a bunch of young guys that are way faster than you because they're younger and all that. But it's a Hall of Fame career. It's it's a leader franchise icon you know just a, an amazing career and i just love you know how many fights he said he got into because cory perry was being cory perry is <laughs> kind of funny too you see him in management i do i he's got a little bit of a vibe of uh of ron francis to me like okay. just like yeah when ronnie came down and started to coach i'm like ah, what that's not where i see him i yeah, see him as yeah. the manager and i the same thing that's what i feel with uh 
you know, when I when I see and listen to Getzlaff. Yeah, I, I hope he gets back into the game because the game is better when you've got people like Ryan. Getzlaff. Well, didn't it sound like he's just trying to put sure the building blocks like together? How do you make yeah. it fit? How do you make it work? There he is, the smiling face, Chris Abbott, presentation of Botano.ca, available in Ontario. Remember, according to Botano, the game starts now. So we're going to do something different. We're looking at both games. Why would you just pick one game of the conference championship? You have to do both. So here's a quick read on the lines. Kansas City and Cincinnati, it shifted a little bit, right? So the Bengals are now plus one and a half. The over-under is 47 and a half. 49ers, Eagles. Stays the same. 49ers are plus two and a half, but I believe the over-under has been adjusted a little bit. So it's 46 and a half now for the 49ers and the Eagles. Ray, do you want abs to go first? Or do you want to jump in and uh pick your No, I, I think I think due to positioning, Chris should go first due to Okay. I'll say again I, I, positioning. Yeah. Okay, abs, go ahead, bud. Yeah, I had to talk to the producers and and instead of doing one game this week, I had to ask them to do two. Because there's, I'm trying to find multiple ways to catch back up. I don't, <laughs> don't think time's on my side. I think you, I think Ray's got the ball, and we're out of timeout. No, no, I think I think for the Super Bowl we should have five. We should come up with five plays we could make. Okay, wow. all right, right from the okay, coin. I'm play. down. I'm down. That's the dad in you coming out, trying to let everybody come out. I want everyone yeah. to be happy. You know, moment of weakness, Ray. Okay, so. I guess we'll start with the San Francisco game. That's the first one on the calendar. The Eagles are two and a half point favorite. I have a feeling the the magic of Brock Purdy is going to run out here. Um, yeah, I agree. Simply because the games that San Francisco has won so far with him, a lot of them have been quite low scoring. This Philadelphia offense showed last week that they've got plenty to go around. I don't know if it was an anomaly, but they made the Giants look real bad. So I'm going to ride with the home favorite, the Super Bowl favorite uh, from the NFC. Philadelphia Eagles inside a field goal. I'm just going to say Eagles minus two and a half. I'm going to agree. It's been a, it's funny, like the emotion of a wonderful story of Purdy and the, you know, Mr. Irrelevant in the draft and, you know, how he's worked his way all the way through is it's a great story, but not often the the last page is the way it should be. And I think the Eagles win. I, I take them out right too. All right. Well, look, we're at a point in the season where it really doesn't matter. So I have to be bold. There's no sense me saddling up here one more time with abs. So I'm going to take the 49ers. It's it's not going to play out well for me. I understand this, but straight up, I'm taking the San Francisco 49ers to beat the Eagles. All right. Game two. Anybody? All right. Anybody? I'll take the lead here too. This one's really interesting. It depends when you're listening because mm-hmm. this line's been all over the place. We saw Patrick Mahomes last weekend get injured. Uh, everyone knows the story. If you watch, like, it was hard to watch, and he still got it done. I don't know how many people expected him to be available this week. And with that, Cincinnati opened as the favorite, got up to, like, two-point favorite, and then it's kind of climbed its way back. Mahomes practices yeah. on Tuesday. So Kansas City now sitting as a one-and-a-half-point favorite. And I hate to be this guy, but I, I'm i just going to take Kansas City to win the game. On the money line, minus 115. I just... Yeah, the, the odds are too good for Kansas City right now. I've watched a bit of Cincinnati this year. They've been inconsistent. Burrow's been great. You know, Jamar Chase has been great. But this KCD is a little underrated, I think. Mm-hmm. And I'm just never betting against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid in this spot. So I'm just going to take the Chiefs to win. Keep it simple. Right. I'm going Bengals. I'm going to tease it, too. So I'm going to... I'm going to take the Bengals <laughs> and flip the line, and I'll push the line down and take the over. Wow. Um, I, I just... Right. I just... I don't know. I let, I just... Mahomes is so great, and I I do believe that you know 
six days is great and it'll help you feel better, but that's a significant change to how he's got to play. It really is. Yeah. I mean, we know that the medical departments in the NFL are second and none, but I don't think that they're magicians. So even though he practiced coming off that high ankle, I'm going to go with the Bengals as well, but I'm not going to do all the teasing and the nonsense. I'm just going straight up. Nonsense. So we'll see how it all, this is either going to pay off well for me this week, or obviously I'm, I'm out of the mix. So I like I'm willing it, to be bold like and, and I'm, I'm gambling. All right. Thanks, Chris. We'll see how it goes on the weekend. Enjoy the football. All right, guys. I will. Thanks so much. Chat soon. All right, time to put a bow on episode 36 of the Brain Drags Hockey Podcast. Again, great interview with with Ryan Getzlaff taking us into his world. And if you can take us into your world, Ray, you've got some exciting things coming up, right? This weekend, you're heading where? I'm going to Arizona, Drags, where if you can look over my shoulder here, you can see that's not sunshine out there. Now, I know know you, you... you sent uh, a very, I won't say aggravated text this morning, but a beleaguered text as your snowblower broke down as you were yeah. trying to clean your driveway. How much snow you got there? We got 30 centimeters, which is just under one foot. And because your neighbor turned his back, you went over and got his snowblower. Yeah. So, yeah. so you're dealing with that. I'm dealing with this incessant rain it's just not going to go away so i'm going to be in arizona this weekend and i got a game in denver on saturday and i'm going to Mm -hmm. take a three-day break and uh funnily enough my golf clubs have ended up in arizona (laughs) and then i'm going to go to the all-star game in florida so a good week ahead i think yeah now is it is is it too rainy to kind of sharpen up the putting because you've got the 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 putting green it's never too rainy just the, no. because it's just about, it's about the stroke. I'm not, you know, yeah. it's, there's a few, you know, I should clean the putting green because yeah. the grandkids knock some stuff all over it, but yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about this in episode. By the way, when you say it. putting green, we're talking yeah. about nine feet by like, it's like, yeah, the, no, I, you know, it's, it's not like I got the masters in the backyard. It's, it's, it's still a luxury that most people don't know, they, they, but it's, I, I agree. I'm really lucky to have it, but it's, you know, I would like yeah. to clarify when you say that it, I don't I have a putting so, complex in the back. So I won't get you to answer this today. We'll, we'll revisit if I recall Tuesday when, when we record episode 37, I don't know if you caught overdrive. They had Brooke Henry fresh off the win and those dum-dums, all they could talk about was Brian Hayes who, what, hits right-handed, swings right-handed, and putts left-handed. But is a right? natural lefty. Yeah. Okay, I get on. But I'm like, listening to this. It's it's comical. It's funny because those guys are funny. But I'm sitting there going, Brooke Henderson's on the other line of the phone going, what the hell is going on here? She's like, I thought I was going to talk about my win. I, you know, I thought we were going to talk golf. And instead, I'm supposed to analyze. Like, And then she, in the nicest way possible, asked what type of golfer he was what's his yeah. handicap right there seemed because to be some discrepancy in that by the way <laughs> there was yeah he jumped from what a nine down to a five yeah. or something like this okay anyway. I gotta, i'm gonna tell you this i know wrapping up here but so i listened yeah. to that clip and brooke henderson was awesome in it like she played along it really was outrageous well. yeah it was outrageous. now so my uncle who was quite a good golfer in his day hit the ball right-handed yeah putted left-handed yeah. so i want you to picture this Put yeah. your hands down. You're putting left-handed now. Yeah, yeah. cross-handed. Cross-handed, left-handed. Doesn't that uh, make you right-handed? 
Yes, I did it for almost two years because I got the yips Hang so on. bad. So you right putted yeah. the other hand cross-handed. Cross-handed, correct. It's ridiculous. I know it is. But all it does is it takes your right wrist out of the, the putting entirely. It's just a firm right wrist and your back. Isn't it amazing you can walk hand. around a golf course? There's 7,200 putting grips. Everybody's using something big, long putters, short putters. I went to a claw <laughs> last year because I needed help. And nah. Actually, I'm saying Tuesday as we wrap up. Yeah, here. we're not going to be Tuesday. available I'm Tuesday. Tuesday. We'll have to do it later in the yeah. week. Then. I think Friday. All right. Well, well, your homework assignment is to, to, to find the goofiest putting grip that you see on this golf. I'll take it a picture. Have to be a I'll work on it. All right, man. Travel safe. Enjoy yourself. Get some fun in the sun and relaxation, recharge. Yeah. Get ready for the Looking stuff. forward to it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks to Ryan Getzlaff. That was awesome. Yeah. And hope everybody has a good weekend and we'll talk to you next week. And thanks for our partners who make the podcast possible. Our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey, who ask are you over beer. Boston Pizza, pick it up or get it delivered to your door. Just let Boston Pizza do the cooking tonight. Botano.ca, now available in Ontario. The game starts now. And by doer, use code RNDPANTS, and you will save 15% off everything at doer.ca. That is episode 36 of the Ray and Dregs Hockey Podcast. Episode 37 will drop your way next week. Take care, everybody.